0: This podcast is brought to you by Business Radio, powered
1: by Wharton. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM 111.
2: Welcome to Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Cheryl Kuhlman. And I'm Sandy Hunt. And we're joining you today live every Thursday morning from 8 to 10 a.m. Eastern Time. And then we're played during the week and also available on the Sirius XM1 app. Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing for you to check out. Our first guest who will be joining us in a minute will be Keith Harrison. He's the CEO of the Recycling Partnership, and, and we'll discuss the importance of curbside recycling. Uh, it's actually a topic I really like, and I've got a lot of questions you for you. do him like on that.
3: recycling, and it is one of, It
2: it's always mind blowing. I Every know. recycling I guest know. we have changes my behavior. So, Keith is the uh, CEO of the Recycling Partnership, and since 1997, she's been working across sectors to build stronger recycling programs first at the collegiate, then the state, and now the national level. The Recycling Partnership focuses on improving residential recycling, as curbside recycling is the easiest way for Americans to recycle but there's opportunity for improvement. And so with that, Keith, welcome to Dollars and Change. Good morning. I'm glad to be here. Well, thank you. We're glad to call in. Um, I'm not kidding when I say that recycling is one of my favorites. She's topic. really not. Well, because... I, I hear so many mixed things about and about what's recyclable or not, and how it's working, and what's going on with China. And my poor husband, is, I'm like, you can't recycle that. That's what you have to recycle. I've I've become a kind of taking dictator, the, taking things apart. I know, I know. <laughs> and so, so this is this is something that that we face all the time. Um, and Philadelphia is. Has gotten better on the curbside re- recycling, but I think it's still um, not as high in the cities mm-hmm. as as we would like it to be.
0: So, Keith, talk mm-hmm. to help me help me with my problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to. well, you know when I go to you go to a dinner party and you introduce yourself and people say, "What do you do?" and I I explain what I do, and their first question is always like caps on or off what is, what's going uh, on pizza boxes so i get you i understand yeah, pizza and, uh, boxes let's make sure we
3: touch on that one
0: yeah <laughs> um yeah and so we that's exactly what we're here to do we were formed um, our, our organization and our program has actually been around since 2003 but we retooled our model about four years ago because we really had to work on this u.s system and so we've set out since then to really look at what's holding back the entire system and part of it is that consistency. What do I do, helping consumers have the confidence of is this a yes or a no, Great. and then drilling down to work on the local level back up to build some consistency across the entire country so what
2: what is the biggest challenge? well, h- how do you help us recycle more effectively? i mean what wh- what's your role in getting getting more clarity around this? Because Sandy's right, caps on caps off, pizza boxes what <laughs> What are we doing? And I always worry I'm doing uh, yeah. more harm than
3: good. Right, like if yeah. I put in the pizza yeah. box, is the whole bag then gonna get not recycled right. because they see something bad. Bad, yeah.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, I mean I think that's it. And it's also changing. So we're asking you as consumers to to continuously stay aware and do something different than you did the year before so uh caps on is the answer for that in the majority of places that was a change that came about about eight years ago and i was actually the director of communications for the association of plastics recyclers so i was in charge of getting that initial message out (laughs) which also meant i got all of the freak out calls that came back saying wait really will it still happen how do i get my consumers to do that eight years later we're still working on this message of uh, caps on bottles means that that cap will be recycled. And that's the best way to get that valuable polypropylene, as that cap material, back in the system to keep those molecules moving. So we work on these very minute issues, like caps, um, but, but we also work on very big system issues. So the thing about recycling is people are – the next question I get at those cocktail parties after caps and pizza boxes is <laughs> – haven't we fixed that (laughs) why are we still talking about recycling and the answer is that what surprises people is um our research shows us that only half of americans can recycle at home as easily as they can throw something away and that is the major one barrier is if you can't do it or if it's harder to do it many people won't they're busy it's, it's hard to ask people to go above and beyond. So that's the number one thing we do is bring consistency. And that consistency is in big towns like Philly, but also in small and rural places. I think people like to think that recycling is, well, it's where I am. It must be some, you know, missing somewhere else. But really it's every city in the country needs improvement in, in offering their service. And then, uh, and then we get to, you know, what, what we're going to is trying to twin the bins. Is what we call it. So whenever there's a trash can, there's a recycling bin beside it. So there's, at first step, no excuse. And then from there, we need to make it easier, help people understand more.
2: And and how are you? How what's the best way, most effective way for you to do this? Is it by social media campaigns? Is it working with, with the government? How how do you get that information out there? Because I know at one point the city of Philadelphia had a. a Things on bus stops that we're talking about different things, different ways of recycling. Mm. Um, So, uh, what's what's uh, what's most effective around that?
0: The answer is yes, all of those, (laughs) all those So as a national 501C3 and we're about four years into this model, uh, we, we work with local governments uh, first and foremost to try and help them with their program because recycling is unique to each location. We're trying to build a national consistency so when you go between towns or even between you said your husband plays soccer so when he you know what he can recycle at the soccer field should be at the same as the office which should be the same as the school which should be the same as the home that's the ultimate goal so people don't have to think about recycling all the time they can recycle without thinking that's really the goal is this ease of access so when we um, pull back to how do are we going to do this we start first as a nonprofit by making ourselves available to as many communities as possible And we are a granting organization. And when we first started, I thought it would be our our capital, our fiscal capital that would be in highest demand. What we find is that most communities need our human capital. They need our team of recycling experts to help them look at contracts, at routes, at changing uh, behavior at communication campaigns. Um, all of those, how do I get this done? How do I make a change? That's really what we do most, most of. Um, and, and the communication element is part of that. So we just wrapped up a pretty cool program in Chicago um, where we launched a new campaign called It's All You. And that was the, the mechanism that allowed Chicago to really connect with their local government. And here's the key as a national nonprofit we don't we don't want people to ne- necessarily recognize us as the as the uh, mechanism that brings them recycling we want them to recognize their town it has to be Philly's program it has to be Chicago's program i live in rural new hampshire it has to be Walpole's program and and that's that's the mechanism that we have to really engage with that government and help them overhaul their entire program and then turn it out as theirs because they're the keeper of it for the long haul so we're there for a short time with our human capital and sometimes with our fiscal capital to help get them over a hurdle and then set them up for years of success so what did
2: you do in Chicago?
0: <laughs> chicago was a lot of fun so uh, i was just on stage a couple weeks ago at a conference with the chief sustainability officer for the city his name is chris wheat and uh he was he was pretty straightforward. He said, "Here in Chicago, we bought carts for everyone. We rolled them out, we gave every every household a cart, but we never told them what to put in it or when to put it on the curb." Oh. And <laughs> and that is not uncommon uh, you know it, the it people really feel like if you build it, they will come if you give it, it will happen,
1: mm-hmm. and really it
0: 's much more of that, so we went into the city and worked with the mayor 's office to help them understand um where where the biggest opportunities in their program lie uh, lay and and it started first with one helping citizens trust the program back to that trust issue that citizens had to believe that Chicago was providing a really good program that they knew when they took made the effort to put those bottles and cans into the containers that they went to where we want them to go. And so we we did that through messaging about what to recycle, when to recycle, mailers went out, social media campaigns, um, and then we also began to tackle, and this is pretty interesting, you mentioned China, and we can dig mm-hmm. into that later. but. We, we then began to tackle the how to do it right, and we, that comes down to, uh, in the industry, we talk about contamination. So you want the good stuff in, but when the bad stuff's in there, uh, the wrong thing, that's costly. That, cost, that costs money to the entire system. Um, our wow. estimate is that's something like $250 million annually. And contamination costs across the system uh, in our country. So we really worked on getting consumers. Can, to put
3: Can we them get right that in. list? I think <laughs> every listener must be thinking the and same thinking thing we are, the, which is like all the pizza tell me, boxes. Tell me the bad stuff. So what? Top ten? Yeah. Top five?
0: The top five of what to be in? Is that what you said? The, yeah. What's, what's out, the bad stuff? Yeah. Oh, the bad stuff. Number one, um, whenever we work with the city, it's always a little teen, attuned to what is uh, worst in theirs. But number one is bags. Plastic bags are recyclable when you take them back to the store. When you put a bag of grocery mm. bags into <laughs> into <laughs> a recycling bin, that is the number one contaminant. It doesn't weigh, weigh much, but it's the most expensive thing to get out of I'm the super system. Super
3: guilty of that. No. I thought those were recyclable. <laughs>
0: I know. Well, they have those arrows on them, right? They do.
2: But they're recyclable.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I know. Can they're take plastic them back to the in my opinion. Store. So
2: they
3: went in. Okay. Plastic bags. Okay. So plastic Changing bags. Changing lives here.
0: Um, yeah. So take them back to the store. Uh, the next big thing uh, is putting your recyclables in a sealed plastic bag.
2: As so opposed to a bin. Like a
0: clear trash bag. Yeah. Correct. So many people feel like they're doing the right thing by making their recyclables very tidy. Two, two for two over here. I'm <laughs> feeling real bad about myself. Oh, <laughs> I'm sorry. You guys still get a gold star. We'll, we'll redeem at the end. I don't know. But the, uh, yeah, so when you put your recyclables in a bag um, and then they, What happens is you put them into your cart, and the truck picks it up, and it goes to what's called a MRF, a material recovery facility. And that MRF is a giant factory. And the first thing they do is send all that material up a giant conveyor belt. It's moving very quickly. And there are humans that pull out the the very worst things that they can see. So they're trying to do a preliminary sort to get out random things like blenders or sometimes terrible things like deer carcasses, which is not uncommon. There, there's a lot of bowling balls that make it to a recycling what? center. A recyclable. <laughs> so the first thing that happens is they pull that out. Anything that's in a bag, especially if it's a dark bag, they assume it's trash. And they don't have the time to open up those bags of recyclables. Mm-hmm. So sometimes those can, be, um, those can actually just be perceived as trash by the sorters. So when you it, the first the next big thing is keep your recyclables loose. So no bags of bags and then recyclables loose. So if and you then- if you
3: have more recyclables than your like the can or cart given to you by your municipality, is the next best thing to use like a cardboard box.
0: Yeah, that, okay. w- that would be good. And, and here's my caveat of I'm telling you the general pieces. It really comes down to what happens at your local level. There are a few uh, few small communities that do take bags. That makes it confusing for everyone else, but it's great for them. So f- for the most part, you just have to go back. But bags are the biggest no. Ba- things in bags are the next. Yeah, a, a box is a great one um, to put more stuff in. Okay. Um, the next big thing is avoid anything that you think of as tanglers. Oh. So anything like Christmas lights or hoses that get in there, those also shut that factory down. So I told you the conveyor belt goes through. After the humans touch it and get rid of the initial sort, it goes on to what is called a star screen, which is these, this big um, escalator full of rotating disks. And the whole purpose of this is it fluffs up all the paper and sends it to one place. And then all the the 3D materials, the cans, the bottles, they fall through that and go to another Mm. conveyor belt. So it's beginning to separate it. And anything like a plastic bag or Christmas lights... They turn into a tangler and they get wrapped around it. And then they have to shut down the entire Murph hmm. and clean it out, which is dangerous and costly. And so the things that, um, you know, things that that bog up a factory are the things that cause the biggest problems.
3: I'm less guilty of that one, but I can think of an example. <laughs> um, we ordered something yeah. that came in a big box with that, like, heavy-duty, like, almost like a thin plastic um, band, Wrapped uh, around uh-huh, the uh-huh. box in all these different directions. It's a tangler. It's a I tangler. tangler it is. In my recycling.
2: <laughs> and this is uh, Dollars and Change on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. We're talking with Keith Harrison, who's the CEO of the Recycling Partnerships. We're getting really learning more about what's how to do your recycling better. Um, if you have a question about recycling or want to ask about what's going on with the, the, the MRFs, mm-hmm. then you can give us a call at 1-844-942-7866. That's 1-844-WHARTON. And so, Keith, you were on the the do not
3: include list. I don't want to interrupt you before you. This has been great. (laughs) These are really clear and easy and very helpful. And and I think actionable. People are listening and going, got it. Mm -hmm. All right. What else? What are any other key ones we are missing?
0: Yeah. So um, this program that we did in Chicago is similar to what we did in Atlanta, where we dug into the next two of the top five on that list. And those would be food waste. So anything icky. Um, you know uh, let's go to your favorite pizza boxes Uh, the majority of places boxes are recyclable pizza is not so (laughs) the problem with a pizza box is really the crust the leftover pizza that's the grease that's in there so um, the box is great material so food waste is number four on that list so you want to pull out that wax
3: paper and trash that and recycle the box
0: trash
2: that well and what about like cans of cat food how clean do those have to be
0: yeah, you don't have to run them through the dishwasher. I always get people who are very proud to shit tell us that they run all their recyclables through the dishwasher. Oh, that seems you know, you really inefficient. To... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, they're very tidy, tidy people. Yeah. Um, But the... <laughs> the uh... You know, give them a wipe. Is is it, it? The what we tell people is empty and recycle, or replace cap and recycle. So you just want the stuff out. It doesn't have to be pristine, but you know, give it a wipe, and uh, and that's plenty. Um, I use a rubber spatula, and I just you know give it a swirl, and I'm done, and, and send it right out. To me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's fine. Well, that's from number four? We're going to number into the four. Five. Number four was the food waste, yep. and then number five is. Uh, anything hazardous. So remember that people are involved with this. And uh, when needles or uh, Mm -hmm. hazardous chemicals and things end up in the recycling, you're endangering people. So Mm -hmm. when in doubt, you know, this, this hurts to say, because we all want to recycle, and we want you to recycle as much as you can. But when in doubt, leave it out, uh, especially if it's something potentially dangerous. Uh, We
3: were I broke a light bulb the other day. And I was like, it's glass, but, but it, like putting it loose into this recycling bin yeah. doesn't feel appropriate. So thank God I nope, did that one right. Star. <laughs> Excellent.
0: Yes. Well done.
2: Took me a while. So, um, and we actually, we got a call from Marie from New Jersey. So she's got a question for you, Keith. Marie, what's okay. your question?
1: Hi, I was wondering why they don't put like a film together and just show it to our children at school. Um, Whether it's high school or grade school, and get them knowledgeable because I think they would be inspired to tell their parents what's going on. Yeah, we know Mm. that once
2: kids get on a roll with this kind of thing, they can be
0: pretty in marketing aggressive.
2: Pester power, pester power. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, well, um, we definitely uh, employ and appreciate the pester power, but we take it. uh, We that's one step. So there is a lot of good work going on in communities, but we hear. That there's uh, or at the school level, and we're hearing that there's there's more. We work closely with um, Keep America Beautiful, who has that more um, school and university focus. And I was just talking to the um, to the their president yesterday about doing more in that realm. So I agree that we start first, get them while they're young. Um, I, I have a 10 year old and a 12 year old, and. Uh, they are ambassadors of recycling. The hard part is you have to keep with them through puberty, <laughs> and it's hard to keep recycling top of mind when you get through puberty. So well, that's where we really fo- that's why our organization really focuses on households, what happens for every demographic, every age within a household, and how do we speak to every person of every background In every household and um, so I think Marie is just right that we have to instill these behaviors in our children and then we as a national organization have to expect that pester power alone isn't enough to keep it going we have to really work on the infrastructure we have to work on uh, supporting communities who are cash strapped and we have to make a better system so that everyone can do the behavior without having to work so hard without the emotion. Like you guys are sharing a lot of emotion (laughs) (laughs) about recycling. I know beautiful, but we'd like it to just go easier for you. I'd like to feel joy
2: rather than stress about recycling. So
0: Marie, thanks
3: for calling
2: in. For taking my comment.
3: Yeah. I think, I think one thing Marie raises to me is a good point about, you know, where recycling is in like the zeitgeist and We're doing this interesting work. We've got emerging um, research around ratings agencies that look at, you know, how a company is for women or how a company is in diversity and environment. And one of the sort of newer things that folks are talking about as a way to sort of assess companies is to um, analyze their Twitter, like activity in and around their mentions on Twitter and things like this. But what, One of the challenges that our faculty has come back with is to say, look, Twitter, yes, it may pick up on scandal and identify things, but it's also very responsive to just, like, what's in right now. Um, So the example Mm -hmm. someone used was, um, you know, that something that, you know, might have been all over the Twitterverse two or three years ago, bring our girls home or something like that. Like, it's still an issue. It's just not front page You know, Twitter action right now. And so recycling, I feel like had its heyday when I, I'm just on the oldest edge of the millennials, like when I was a Girl Scout, like I feel like in the late 80s, early 90s, recycling was like the issue. It was very big. You know, what have you seen in terms of the ebbs and flows of recycling being like an in topic. Is it in now? How do you how do you get it on the minds of individuals if it feels like, yeah, didn't we fix recycling in the eighties? Like I've heard about this for decades.
0: Yeah, you you've really nailed it. I mean that that's one of the biggest challenges that we face is that One, people believe in it. You know, our research and research from out of states like Massachusetts, it is ingrained in our culture. And people believe they're doing a great job. I love recycling (laughs) and I'm great at it. But what we know is every year from households, we miss out on 22 million tons of recyclables. And if we got all that back into the system, the greenhouse gas impact of that is the equivalent of pulling ten and a half million cars off the road. Wow. This is significant. So that hurdle of, yeah, I'm, I'm so good at that, I've, I don't even have to pay attention anymore, is, is one of the barriers we have to break. Mm-hmm. And our research matches what you say. We use social media to reinforce, to drive excitement around campaigns. Like in Chicago, we partnered with Shedd Aquarium to make the connection between marine debris uh, and yes. recycling. Uh,
1: that's brilliant. And
0: so we use social media around, uh, around exciting pieces. Um, like yesterday, we used social media to announce um, our, our newest funders, which include International Paper, Amazon, and Starbucks. That was exciting in Twitter world. Um, Put your can in the bin is not as always as exciting. We (laughs) haven't really find that. So, but what's fascinating is that um, mailers do connect with people. They do do see that, but what it tells them is, great, recycling, I'm doing that, check. AND THEY CONTINUE. Mm -hmm. WHAT what WE ARE WORKING WITH COMMUNITIES, I TALKED TO YOU ABOUT CONTAMINATION, SO IN CHICAGO AND ATLANTA AND DENVER, ALL ACROSS THE STATE OF MASSACHUSETTS um, AND OTHER CITIES LIKE THAT, WE ARE HELPING PROGRAMS um, USE CART TAGS. AND THIS IS LABOR-INTENSIVE, BUT IT HAS THE BIGGEST IMPACT. SO WHAT WE DO IS WE um, HELP CITIES SET UP TO WALK DOOR-TO-DOOR ON RECYCLING DAY. Open the top lid of that recycling can, not rummage through it, but just peek and see how it's looking, how does this recycling mix look in here? And that's where you can pretty quickly see oh man, there's a bag of bags in there. Or they have put all of their recyclables into a, tra- a plastic bag. And with when we see those things, um, then we put a cart tag on, and the cart tag either says "great job, keep it up," or mm. if we have oops tags, and yep. the oops tag has. We the, have those in yeah. our town. So uh, <laughs> yep, the oops <coughs> tag checks. You know the sidewalker checks what's the um, what's the violation in the bin, and it's not it's not to penalize them. It's to trigger to their inform pain them, yeah. They do. Wait, they're talking to me. And and that works. Um, and I've, I've been on these walks with, um, actually, was in Lowell, Massachusetts, and I was walking around um, with inside a part of the population that is a Hmong population. And so we had never translated pieces into a Hmong yet before. But it's not just a translation. This is a completely different concept to these, these uh migratory, po- or these, uh, um, these new populations that uh, had, didn't have no concept of recycling from their home country. Okay. And so we were, I was walking with Bora, who uh, was as a part-time employee for the recycling program in Lowell, and he was speaking to them, and he was explaining. And I remember him talking to this elderly gentleman who was just confused why anyone would bother with it. And it took Bora, talking to him in his own language, uh, to introduce something new, he never really understood why there was this different color cart there. It was just a different color trashy. Yeah, Keith, that's a great story. I want to <laughs>
2: uh, go to another one of our callers, Tammy from Michigan, who I think, like Sandy and I, is trying to figure out how, to, like, how to do this better. Tammy, like not doing it right. Tammy, welcome to the uh, to the show. What's your
1: What's your question for uh, Keith? Well, thank you for taking my call and great subject. I've been trying to get on board more and more over the years with recycling, especially with my kids. And uh, graduation season is upon us. And I know when we did our boys' party, we tried to have a separate bag for all those plastic cups, right, Mm -hmm. and water Mm -hmm. bottles. So I did the thing that you're not supposed to. I put them in a bag (laughs) because there were so many of them and they wouldn't fit like in the recycling bin, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Anyway, so, but what do you do? Like we try not to use the disposable water bottles and get the water from the tap and all that. But what do you do with all the lids? I mean, my kids, they still drink a lot of milk and I'm the one swishing out the milk thing, squishing the milk container and put the (laughs) lid back on because when we did a tour at our recycling facility that was one of the things so how do you deal with all these little lids and how do you get to change people's mindsets the other thing I wanted to say when my boys were little you know how you get the toys at McDonald's or the little (laughs) kidsy gifts at birthdays and stuff they're all plastic they end up breaking I had my boys Grab a plastic bag, put all the broken plastic toys, minus batteries, of course, in the bag and into the recycle bin. But is, are recycling these stupid little plastic toys, is that okay? Is it not good? And, I mean,
2: right. Right. And Keith, you yeah. can answer that, but we're <laughs> nearing the end of our segment, so maybe a quick quick response here. Sure
0: um no i'm sorry to say mcdonald's toys are not recyclable so go for your your pt water bottles your soda bottles your milk jugs and in most places in the country it is a caps on message and that's the best way to keep those caps in motion but you're right to make sure that you look at what's happening on the local level um we do have a twitter handle people can continue to ask questions if you want um at our twitter handle so you can just tweet me at um i at uh, r-e-c-y partnership, and uh, and I'll be happy to answer anything
2: else by Twitter. Great. Bye. Tammy, thanks so much for that story. Glad <laughs> to hear that Sandy and I aren't the only one feeling like, oh, no. <laughs> and, Keith, this has been a, a very great discussion. We've really appreciated We've been talking with Keith Harrison, CEO of the Recycling Partnership. Thanks again, Keith.
0: For more insight from Business Radio, please visit businessradio.wharton.upenn.edu.